This is Talkback. 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, everybody. It is Talk Back, uh, brought to you this morning by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery for all your New York favorites, locks, New York cheesecake and cannolis. Yeah, right there out on North Reserve. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Residential and commercial cleaning with no job too big or small. Get a free estimate by calling 260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. It is time for County Talk, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we do this once a month with our three county commissioners, uh, Josh Slotnick, Dave Strohmeyer, Juanita Vero, joining us here in the studio this morning. And I guess it is a special edition of Talk Back, so I should do the intro. Uh, Brought to you this morning by Phillips Janitorial, offering residential and commercial cleaning with their powerful steam extraction method, bringing tired and dirty carpets back to life. No job is too big or small. Get a free estimate at 406-260-6617. And brought to you by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. Authentic New York bagels and pastries all the way from Little Italy can be found right here in Missoula. And we do give some away every single week if you have the KGVO app. Located out on North Reserve. Okay, I want to welcome our county commissioners joining us here in the studio this morning. Dave Strohmeyer, uh, Josh Lotnick, and Juanita Vero. Welcome to all of you. Thank you for coming. We appreciate our pleasure. It. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Oh, you bet. Uh, you betcha. So, let's, let's get started now because... Uh, I know that one of, one of you is very, very interested in past, very interested in passenger rail. You have been for many years, Dave Strohmeyer. So, so tell us a little bit about how you got interested in this. And first of all, what does it have to do with Missoula after all these years of not having train service? Yeah, after all of these years, and by all of these years, we mean forty-three years. Right. If folks remember, or if you've just forgotten... Almost as old as Juanita, but... Not almost! Not <laughs> almost. Go ahead. Sir. 1979 was the last year we had passenger rail service right here f- through Missoula County and Missoula, Montana, that would have connected you to Chicago, to Seattle, to Portland. Uh, and how, how did I originally get interested in yes. this? This dates back to the mid-2000s when I was on the Missoula City Council. And for those of you out there who wonder... If you come up with an idea that you want to pitch to an elected official, is it is it just kind of uh, de- uh, dying on the vine before it even reaches the elected official's ears? N- no. Uh, one of my constituents here in Missoula reached out with the idea of, you know what, um, what about passenger rail? And, and, and he told me about the benefits of it. And, and I actually was one of those folks who did not realize that we had Amtrak service in 1979. So we have that big, well, what we have the big, beautiful BN depot there that's now being used, I think, by uh, Boone and Crockett Club. And, and then the other, the other depot at the end of the X's in downtown Missoula. So there are ample places for passenger rail to make a home here. There are those vestiges of the past of where passenger rail did play a prominent role in our community and certainly at the north end of Higgins Avenue there is a train station that's currently being used for other things right now but uh, we are in discussions with uh, community leaders about what would it take to bring that back into service. Okay now my first question is why? Why do we need passenger rail? We've got all these great highways, we've got the airports expanding, all sorts of different ways uh, to get to get places. Why passenger rail? So I think one of the best examples of why is 
talking about the rail authority that we created in the year 2020. And the rail authority, we're the currently the largest transportation district in the state of Montana, the Big, Pi, Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority. We began with 12 counties. We're now up to 20 counties. Added Treasure County, our 20th county last week. Why do these counties, many of which are pretty small, sparsely populated, rural, deeply conservative counties in eastern Montana interested in this? And I think this gets to the heart of your question, Peter. Uh, Prairie County, uh, uh, this is not a large metropolis by a long shot. Um, could be a whistle stop. It could, it could be a whistle stop. Uh, yeah. But Prairie County, Montana, why were they one of the first folks to uh, group of folks to get on on board with this? Well, they have an aging population. Their constituents, the county commissioner constituents there in uh, Prairie County, have to travel 175 miles to catch a plane to seek medical services. And from a transportation standpoint, many of these folks who are needing air travel, medical services, other services, are either unable to drive find it extremely inconvenient. So just from uh, the standpoint of providing transportation options, rail fills a gap we currently do not have. From an economic development standpoint, uh, we can talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, it is proven to be an economic driver and engine in main streets here uh, across the region and the nation. Uh, and also from a, a, an efficiency standpoint, whether it's moving freight or moving people via rail, it is a way more efficient uh, mode of transportation than either air or motor vehicles. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just take my big bucket of cold water here, and <laughs> I, I I have a, a relative of mine who was a uh, a uh, an engineer on the on the railroad for 30, 38 years, and we start talking about this. He says, Peter, don't those people understand that freight and rail require different safety and different kinds of rail? Uh, it's going to be very expensive to upgrade, and how's that all going to happen? I, I love that question, okay. Peter. Um, <laughs> uh, and and po all points well taken. So what I would say to folks is when it comes to the, uh, the operation of, of freight and passenger trains, if, if you're one of those folks who may have ridden on the train back in 1979 and had a bad experience, we're not looking to replicate or restore your bad experiences from bygone years. Moreover, we are not contemplating cramming additional train sets, passenger rail sets onto the existing infrastructure without infrastructure upgrades. BNSF Railway is on our board of directors. Wow. They are with us in okay. this undertaking, as is Amtrak, as is the Montana Department of Transportation. We all recognize that what benefits passenger rail benefits freight and vice versa. So I, uh, just a, the elephant in the room here, we've seen a number of high profile uh, uh, train derailments over the past number of days, right. uh, a right. week or so. Well, we had a fatal one up here in, in Montana just last year. Well, there is that, and that right. investigation is still still right. playing out. But right. I guess the point is we have underinvested in our rail system in this country compared to other places around the globe. And, and safety is something that is first and foremost in our thinking. So when we are restoring passenger rail, we recognize those enhancements are going to benefit the safety 
of freight rail operations also. All right, we're going to take a break. Come right back. All of our phone lines are open, by the way. Our county commissioners are here in the studio. This is a special edition of County Talk. And if you have a question or a comment, we would love to hear from you. That's why they're here, uh, is to visit directly with you, uh, their constituents. We're going to come right back with more of a special edition of Talk Back, County Talk, after this. Now's All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force and I deployed three times. So in 2017, I was serving as an Air Force First Sergeant. Our motto in that role is my job is people, everyone is my business. But unfortunately in that year, I would lose my own brother, Lance Corporal Adam Jackamick, to suicide. The majority of veteran suicides are from guns. I store my weapons securely, not only for myself, but for my family. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. My service never stops. Brought to you by N Family Fire and the Ad Council. Oh, our county commissioners, we're talking trains and uh, Dave Strohmeyer, uh, Josh Lopnick and Juanita Vero. We do have uh, a guest on the phone. I believe it is Guy. Good morning, Guy. You're on with our commissioners. What's your question, sir? Good morning. I've got a very simple, granular question. I, I appreciate, first of all, your foresight and your forward thinking. But one of the most basic needs that we have is to be able to commute to work and back. And I've commuted on Dayshaw Lane for 20 some years now. Um, it is barely passable. It's a public safety hazard, a big part of the year. Um, when are we going to address Dayshaw Lane? Uh, Dayshaw Lane will be receiving some more improvements this year. Hmm. Now what? Um, what, not what, just what uh, now, the mud again. Now, now, guy, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what what are yeah. the what are the conditions specifically you're talking about here? Well, there is no road base. It's a it's an, a virtually entirely clay road. So the frost boiling. It's a dirt road. First of all, we call it gravel, but it really isn't. It's actually clay. Um, it frost boils, um, and it gets extremely difficult to travel on. There's times that I have to detour, go all the way out to Stone Container and back to get to work because the road literally isn't passable. I've seen, I've seen potholes in that road that were a foot and a half deep. Um, there's no way without rebuilding the road that you can ever make it serviceable. You grade it, I don't know, 30, 40 times a year, and it works for, depending on the depending on the time of year, it works for a, a week or two. Uh, in the summer, you've done a wonderful job because once you started putting mag chloride on it, you created a firm base. So in the summer, it's not a problem other than dust, but the mag chloride helps with that. But it basically needs a lot of work and it doesn't seem to be very high on the priority list. Okay. Well, let's, let's see a lot of wonderful things being done, but... 
Then every day I drive that road and I get frustrated. Let's let them answer that. Thanks for the call, Guy. Appreciate it. Go ahead, Josh. No argument there. That uh, road really does need attention. And some more attention this year it will get. Uh, we did a little bit of paving on that in the not-too-distant past. And we, my understanding is we're going to do a little bit more this year. And, of course, it will be graded again. And it will get more mag chloride in the summertime. The type of complete renovation Guy is talking about needs to happen and is really costly. That's entirely the issue here. We're doing this. Now, is that, is that a county road or is correct. it a DOT road? It's a what? county road, which, county road. which is okay. why we... Uh, right. Right. Have the intimate understanding of it. Uh, if we had the money to take care of this all at once, we absolutely will. But uh, but we don't. So we're doing it incrementally, bit by bit. Sure. And uh, anything more would really be a heavy weight onto taxpayers and also would take away from all the other county roads. Uh, it's unfortunate. We are way behind in our road maintenance. And that's because we're way behind in our finances. We need more money to do this work. And that money comes from one source. And that source is pretty darn painful. So we're really careful about how we go there. Would that two cents per gallon gas tax have helped to go through that? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. This is exactly the kind of thing we could fund. And we could go to federal sources of money and actually come up with the match required based on our local money. Our local money is down. We are way below the needs for what we have to to meet those needs uh, locally because of the lack of resources. Okay, let's get another call in. This is Stacy. Stacy, good morning. You're on on County Talk with our county commissioners. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I have a question. I live out on Mullen Road, west of Frenchtown, about two miles. And, uh, you know, it hasn't been painted in over 10 years. We get no plow service, but no paint on the line. And it is not um, observed for speed limit. We have children that like to ride bikes there. And I was wondering if they would please look into that, why it's not uh, maintained. We sure need a bike path out there. The bike path stop at the King Ranch Golf Course. And we need a bike path to Lavoie. And I just heard the comment that, well, you know, we have to distribute the funds. Well, the county commissioners have ignored this part of the road for over 10 years, well over 10 years. And I think it's time that they come around and realize that there's a lot of people out here and we pay taxes too. Okay. So that's my comment and I'd sure like to see some results. Thank you for your call, ma'am. Thank you so much. Gentlemen and lady, go ahead. Yeah, we were actually Stacey. talking about yeah. this yesterday and, and, and again, uh, it is not lost on us, the needs of various places around the county and, and specifically, and thanks for the call, Stacey. We'll, we'll follow up with our public works director on the, the lane painting piece. And there's a speed study I thought that was going to be done out there. Well, at the very least, we, we can certainly, if, if the problem is, I guess uh, we need to know, if, is the problem uh, uh, posting of speed limits or enforcement? And in either event, we can haul out one of these speed trailers that have the the uh, automated, uh, that will tell you what you're actually, the speed you're driving. And, and that sometimes uh, helps reinforce with folks that you're going past the speed limit. And my understanding is the need for this trail is well understood. And We've talked with MDT multiple times about this, and I, I think it's in a plan for the future. We hope, right? Yeah. 
Okay. All right, let's, uh, let's, we have another caller on the line. It's Tim. Tim, good morning. You're on Talkback with uh, County Talk, I should say, with our county commissioners. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Um, I live out in Frenchtown. Uh, you're going to get tired of hearing about Frenchtown, but I live out in Frenchtown up Mill Creek, and I've lived there a long time. And uh, for the past few years, we've been getting a lot of people moving up into our area. And there's no lines painted on Mill Creek on the paved road to tell these people what side of the road that they need to stay on. Uh, I've called for several years now. I've been talking to somebody in the county. And uh, the last time I talked to him, he said, well, it'll cost about $3,500 to get those lines painted. If you come up with that money, we'll gladly paint those lines. So I was a little bit upset uh, considering I pay taxes and now I'm supposed to pay more money to get lines painted on the road that need to be done. And I was just, you know, you, you guys seem to be spending money all over the place, like for the homeless and, and the Jedi program, but you don't take care of the taxpayers. And I just, I, I, I want to know why I should come up with $3,500 for the paint on the road. Thank you for the call. Thank you for the call. Here, well, let's hang on. We're going to take a break. Come right back and have them answer that. Uh, 721-1290. It's County Talk, ladies and gentlemen. You have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back after this. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force and I've deployed three times. Being a veteran, it's interwoven into your DNA is really the absence of the connection and the purpose that can really drive a lot of veterans to some uh, negative thoughts. For those who are in a suicidal crisis, the window of time to save somebody's life is very short. Our duty is to protect ourselves and protect our families. And one way you can do that is store your weapons safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by End Family Fire and the Ad Council. studio this morning, uh, a congressman. 
Commissioners, Dave Strohmeyer, Josh Lopnick, and Juanita Vero all joining us here. Now, we just had a call a few minutes ago about another road uh, with some problems. So, Josh, you've reached out to Shane. I reached out to Shane, and uh, he... He didn't know I was going to reach out to him, so yes. he said, I'll do my yeah. best, and okay. hopefully he can yeah. call, call us back. That's Shane Stockard, uh, Shane. Director of Public Works. Thank right. you. Right. Yeah, so just a couple things I wanted to speak to that the caller mentioned where he said we're spending money all over the place on the homeless. Uh, we, so far, have spent federal money, not local taxpayer money, on these efforts to keep people right. off the street and off of out of camping on public land where no one wants them. So we have not yet deep dove into uh, local money. We're using federal money for that. In terms of Mill Creek, yeah, that that's a that's a rough road. It's a it's a rural road. It's quite out there. There are not a lot of people who live up there, and generally speaking, our policy for roads that are reaching very few people is to split costs with those folks. If we're talking about arterials or collectors, roads that lots of people in the county drive on, that's where we're going to focus our road money. If we're looking at uh, a residential area or a, a deep rural area where very few people are, we're going to attempt to split the costs through what's called a rural special improvement district uh, with the locals. And we can take those costs and spread them out over time. So that 3500 bucks he was talking about, he doesn't have to come up with that tomorrow. That's split sure. with his neighbors off right. de over decades. And then we would cover half the costs. If we were to go spend full county money in deep rural areas or areas where only residents benefit, specific small groups of residents benefit, many, many people would be really angry that their tax dollars were going to roads that they would never, ever drive on. It's a, it's a really tough balance. And again, this balance is caused because we don't actually have enough money to tend to the roads that we have. Another important thing, just two things to throw in the mix here. Yes. When it comes to road striping, there are actual standards as far as volume of traffic that trigger the need, the, the absolute need to have the road striped. Uh, if it falls below that volume, it's more in a discretionary category. The other piece that I would uh, add is if folks are interested uh, in in voicing your thoughts about issues in Missoula County, get involved with your community councils. There are seven throughout Missoula County, one out in the Frenchtown area, the West Valley Community Council. This really is the sounding board for ideas to be uh, recommended to the Board of County Commissioners. So get involved and, and that's a great place to roll up your sleeves and get your thoughts on the table. And we could Go also ahead. share that information, uh, well, not just the community council, but what Tim was concerned about was the influx of new people moving to Mill Creek area. And we could have that information out Ab there absolutely. On, on the volume that is needed for striping. Yeah, and I was just to say to Tim, he's welcome to reach out to any of us at any time individually, and we will be glad to chat with him and link him up with Shane and, and really talk through this. And we would love nothing more than to get the problem up in Mill Creek solved. You bet. We, we have, we're, we have a, a hard break here coming up in exactly one minute. So in that one minute, let's get back to the topic you originally came to talk about. A little bit of passenger rail, more information on that as we get into the top of the hour. Yeah, absolutely. And, and before I forget and we run out of time, if you want to learn more about what is going on relative to passenger rail and the Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority, go to www.bigskyrail.org and there's a treasure trove of information about what we're up to. But again, we are the largest transportation district in the state of Montana. Our board is uh, made up of 20 directors from each county across the 600-mile width of the state, Amtrak, BNSF Railway, uh, the uh, Montana Department of Transportation, and three tribal nations, CSKT, Northern Cheyenne, and the Crow Tribe. 
Okay, with that, we're going to take a break. Uh, by the way, this is County Talk. Our three county commissioners taking time out of their extremely busy schedules to come all the way down here and talk with you live here in the studio. Uh, phone lines are open at 721-1290. We'll be back after the top of the hour. Weather brought... When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Lorraine knew she wanted to adopt a teenager from foster care. I love teenagers. I think it adds an element of fun because you can really do activities as a family that everybody loves. The Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption believes you're never too old for family. More than 20,000 children in the U.S. are at risk of aging out of foster care without a family. Learn how you can help at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snip out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text STRESS to 211-211 to find a solution. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Welcome back to Talk Back. It's a special edition of County Talk. We're repeating the show that we began at 7.30. Brought to you this morning by Brooklyn Bagel and Bakery. For all your New York favorites, locks, New York cheesecake, cannolis, and more. Out on North, Res North Reserve. Also brought to you by Phillips Janitorial. Offering residential and commercial cleaning. And there's no job that's too big or small for Phillips Janitorial. So get a free estimate at 260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Special edition of County Talk. Our county commissioners joining us here in the studio. They are Dave Strohmeyer, Josh Schlotnick, and Juanita Vero. Uh, right here in the studio answering your questions. And But we're going to kind of flash back a little bit. You folks wanted to reach out to your public works director, Shane yes. Stack, who is on the phone with us right now. So, Shane, good morning. Uh, you're, back, you're back on County Talk, sir. Welcome. Uh, good morning, Peter. All right, go ahead. Thanks. Thanks for jumping on, Shane, and, and at short notice. We really appreciate that. Um, we just got some questions about uh, paving on Deshaw Lane, about trails on Mullen, and improvements on Mill Creek Road up by Frenchtown. And we all gave it a go at that, <laughs> uh, but know that, that you would have uh, be able to fill in the gaps where we where we missed. So we'll... Yeah. 
Yeah, well, let's start on Daisha. So uh, right now we're planning to place a fair amount of millings on, on Daisha from uh, the intersection with Mullen Road up to the kind of that first bridge, uh, which would be, a, you know, it ends up being about a mile. Um, and right now we're working with uh, Tetra Tech to give us a geotechnical recommendation basically on the surfacing, so they're doing that analysis. But that work would happen this summer. Obviously, we'll have to wait till it dries out a little bit, so you're probably looking at August. And then the following summer, summer of 2024, uh, we're, we're right now working on plans to um, resurface uh, basically that, that kind of that last gap in between the the bridge and and where the the pavement kind of ends on the on the north end so it would all be paved in the next two summers um so that's kind of the the plan there then trails on mullen road uh gosh um so let's start at reserve street right now we've got 30 percent design plans from and and shane i I think uh, you, you can certainly recap that. We're thinking specifically west of, west Frenchtown, of Frenchtown, that section of Mullen, and oh. and uh, and also the, the question uh, the uh, the caller was interested in in speed study or, uh, or yeah. concerned about speed and yeah. then the and pavement and markings markings uh, by uh, like striping Ranch golf course. Yeah. Okay. Um, perfect. So the the. Our Parks Trails Open Lands and, and our Public Works staff here have been working together with uh, DJNA to develop plan sets for uh, the trail on Mullen Road, basically from Hull Creek to um, where the trail ends uh, right now by the golf course, uh, which is Beckwith. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're getting really close to you know, completion of those plan sets. Um, there's a call for projects right now for transportation alternative funds. And so we plan to submit an application um, that's due April 12th. So our, our plan completion and application deadlines are, are coming in, you know, just about the same time. So we'll have that application submitted. Then it's just a matter of, do we receive the funding or not to construct that? So that's the, the status on the trail. Um, speed limits on Mullen Road out there, is that the question? And Shane, could, I just wanna ask one follow-up on those TA funds. That is, is that federal money that runs through the state? It's federal money runs through the state, correct. And, and what do you think that t- total our ask would be? <sighs> well, we have a similar project from basically day shot to Cody Lane and that's going to run around 3 million that's like I think that one's right around 2.2 miles long and it does have a bridge so I'm going to guess you're probably in that 3 million dollar range 2.5 to 3 million I think the challenge with that one Josh is that the right of way is so narrow that um, I think our big challenge isn't going to be so much funding it's going to be you know trying to pick up any necessary right away along the, the corridor. And, and Shane, so specific to, to uh, both Mullen Road and also uh, Mill Creek, uh, the question, one of the questions related to pavement markings and striping. Yeah, um, we used to budget around, I don't know, 80 to $90,000 a year for pavement markings. And we've had to whittle that down to Forty to forty-five thousand dollars over the last few years, simply because we just 
you know, we've got to make tough choices. Um, do we take care of pavements or do we put pavement markings down? And if the volumes are low enough, you know, there's, you know, we're not meeting the threshold in those on those roadways that require pavement markings. So we've got plenty of, of rural county roads across the state that don't have pavement markings. You know, think of every gravel road out there. They never have pavement markings. So it's not a certainly not a requirement. Um, so... It sounds like a wouldn't it be nice type deal, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, boy, I tell you, I, <laughs> I wish we could make all our roads uh, perfect. Um, it just it costs a lot of money to do that. So yeah, uh, we have to balance you know, what we're receiving in tax revenue with what the needs are and, and try to prioritize. And Shane, if, if folks want to get a hold of that priority list, uh, where are... are are we um, going to post something? How are we communicating priorities? Well, we, we are trying to develop a five-year plan and get that on our website. Um, so that's in the works. I don't have a priority list of, of pavement markings. I can certainly talk to our sign shop and, and see if they've got a, a list. And I, I, don't oh, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking put. of pavement markings. It's just public works priorities oh. in general, if, if the general public wanted oh. to kind of get an idea of the direction we're heading what's the best way for them to to do that but it sounds like you're you're that's in the works so great to hear yeah yeah no that's one of the things we've tried to update is you know trying to get a five-year plan and i think in the past the challenge with a five-year plan is that it it changes right so whatever you have planned for this summer for instance you know things come up uh priorities change simply because of emergencies uh, you don't you know we can have unexpected failures in in paved surfaces for instance that we just didn't think were going to happen and we were going to put that off for another several years well that becomes the number one priority and then you've got to kick something else kind of into the next summer so um i think there's been a fear of of you know putting something out there just because of of um you know having people say, well, you said you were going to do this and then you didn't. Um, but I think for me, I look at it, you know, we call it a tentative construction plan for the summer and it's tentative. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, we have to make adjustments based on things that come up, but our plan at the beginning of the summer is doing X, Y, and Z for projects and do the best we can to stay on that. And we've done, I mean, that's what we've done internally. We have the priority list and we, we try to stick to it as best we can, but we also know that things come up. So. Well, Shane, listen, thanks for calling in. We appreciate it, uh, the update, and we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we have Al, Walt, and Tim in the next uh, 18 minutes. I'll want to visit with you. Yeah, Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. You bet. Thank, Thank you, you, Shane. We'll be right back. For over 100... Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Okay, we are back on County Talk for the next, oh, 15 minutes or so. Now, Dave, I wanted, you had some more about this passenger rail, the original reason you came in today. Some very important news to share. Yeah, absolutely. Some might say, is this a moonshot? Uh, Getting passenger rail back to Missoula, Montana and across the state of uh, Montana. And I would say to, to keep with that metaphor, 
Well, if we can fly a helicopter on Mars, we can have a world-class passenger rail system on planet Earth in the United States. And it is within grasp. After 43 years of lacking this service, this is probably the most important year that we've seen over those four decades. And why is that? Because two years ago, the Big Sky Passenger Rail Authority, collaborating with members of Congress, were able to get federal legislation over the finish line that directed the U.S. Department of Transportation to conduct a nationwide study of restoring discontinued Amtrak routes. That study is happening this year as we speak. And the report must be delivered to uh, the desks of members of Congress in November of this year with recommendations on which routes to restore. That's half of the equation. The other piece is, okay, that's great that there are these recommendations, but there are real dollars included in the bipartisan infrastructure law dedicated for passenger rail that will go towards and be available for projects just like this, the North Coast Hiawatha between Chicago and Seattle through Southern Montana. This is not just a Montana project. This is adding the 16th national network long distance route to Amtrak system. Okay, let's get back to the phones. I believe Al's been waiting the longest. Al, thank you for your patience, sir. What's on your mind? Good morning. Um, I hate to just keep coming back to the same topics, but while we're talking about pavement markings, um, I live in Lolo and off of Mormon Creek Road, and it's been at least four years that um, my family's been calling and asking for markings at the intersection with Highway 93. It'd be great to have markings on the whole road. There's a lot of kids there, but at least having markings at the intersection. Um, years ago, there was designated lanes for a a left turn um, down the Bitterroot, or a left turn into Missoula, a right turn down the Bitterroot, along with a, a lane um, coming off of Highway 93 to go westbound. And that's all been worn away for years, and, and there's accidents there um, occasionally, and there's near misses there like every day. So I'm talking about, you know, if there was 100 feet of markings there, you could alleviate that. And we were told, you know, four years ago that there was patchwork that needed to be done first. Well. There's been some sort of patchwork done over time, but nothing's ever been done to address the markings. And then my other comment is just um, just a, a comment on my feelings, I guess. It's really disheartening for me to hear so many times when we hear from our, our local government officials, um, the question came up earlier related, I think, to homelessness. And, you know, it was said, hey, we haven't spent any local funds on that. And that's just frustrating to me. It's as if the the belief is that those federal funds fall out of the sky and those don't cost the taxpayers. That's taxpayer money as well. And it may not be local. And I appreciate the fact that we need to bring federal dollars in to supplement what we're doing locally. But to pretend that that money doesn't cost taxpayers, taxpayers is just a huge frustration to me. And I, I feel like it's just indicative of a of a lack of budgeting and understanding and, and trying to live within our means. Thank you. Al, thanks for the call. Uh, gentlemen and lady, go ahead. Well, a couple quick comments. And, and yeah, thanks, Al. It's not lost on us that uh, federal dollars are actual taxpayer dollars, um, not property tax dollars. There's a, there's a big difference there. Right. Uh, as far as uh, the, uh, the pavement markings and such that you're describing now, we'll certainly pass along your comments related to Mormon Creek Road to our public works director. But there is also a safety study going on 
right now as we speak uh, looking at Highway 93, basically from Missoula, Buckhouse Bridge, all the way south of Lolo, I think maybe to the county line. I'm not positive on that. And this is something that's been discussed extensively in the Lolo Community Council. So So also also a speech study. Yes, it's it's Mm -hmm. multiple uh, things converging there. So Al, I would uh, suggest please do be engaged in uh, the Lolo Community Council. We've had our uh, public works folks and MDT present there multiple times. It's a great way to stay engaged and to voice concerns like this. And a lot of folks don't even know there is a Lolo Council. So go ahead. Yeah, thanks. And I appreciate Al's call and I appreciate his insight on uh, on where federal money comes from. And I apologize if I made it sound like federal money was just printed by the feds. It's uh, absolutely, it's Which all of our it tax money. is, but <laughs> <laughs> it be, it, yeah. you better not be printing it in your basement. Yeah, no, and, and I wanted to add to that, there is a real contrast, a difference between federal money and local taxpayer money. Right. The federal money is spread out over nearly 330 million people as opposed to 120,000. And that federal money is offered to us and, and, and I, I guess I would, we can seek Al's advice or anybody else's advice on this. The federal government says, here we have this money. Would you like it to address some local problems? Here are some parameters within which you can have this money. We can't just use it for anything. Would, would you all have us say no? And say, no, we're not, we're not, we're not going to take that money and attempt to address some of these problems. We'll just live with the problems. Yeah. And you mentioned spending within our means. We have a balanced budget here at Missoula County. And more so than saying we have a balanced budget, we didn't hit our mill cap, which means we do not tax to the extent the state allows. Yellowstone County hits their mill cap. Tons of other counties in the state hit our mill cap. We are more thrifty than those places. We're going to take a quick break. Come right back. We have Walt and Tim and Tim and Tim. Uh, coming right up. This is a special edition of, of, of County Talk. Stay with us. We'll be right back. That's Today on Hey Colin. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this. But you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping. Cook. Clean. Be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. I joined the Navy to serve my country while parachuting with my platoon. My parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. I just don't think my family would be as happy as they are without the support that I received from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Learn more at pva.org. And we are back on creativity. Oh, there we go. We are back on Talkback, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is a special edition of Talkback. It's called County Talk, and folks are waiting to visit with you. Uh, Tim, number one, is up next. Tim, good morning. 
Oh, it, is it well, Walt? Walt? Yeah. He just hung up. Oh, oh I'm okay. sorry. Okay, Tim, go ahead. Tim, what's up? Hey, uh, so I am a very, very avid hockey fan. Oh, good and for you. We've been hearing, <laughs> well, we've been hearing forever, and I used to sit on the hockey board um, about getting a third sheet of ice. Yeah, I know all about the the thing that we, the bill that got put out there recently. But uh, what are you guys doing to help us get a sheet of ice? And I also heard that you're uh, got a, a project of putting a ribbon, ice ribbon down at Karis Park. Uh, one in eight uh, Missoulians are involved in hockey somehow or figure skating. Yeah. And, you know, a third sheet of ice, you talk about a revenue producer, uh, would be amazing. But what can you guys do to help us get that done? So thanks a lot, Tim. And I can speak, this is Josh, and I can speak to the sheets of ice, but I can't speak to the city project and I'm actually not familiar with it. So on the sheets okay. of ice, it was... Uh, I have to say I was disappointed as well that our voters chose not to take that on. I fully agree with you that this is a revenue generator and it's an investment in the future and it meets the needs of a large amount of our, our folks. I, I'm in total agreement. I wish that uh, that uh, bond had passed, but it didn't. So what we can do, we can do what's called a revenue bond, which is bas basically means we'd work with the nonprofit entity that manages the Glacier Ice Rink that manages those rinks and... They can use us as a conduit to access the municipal bond market, basically get borrow money much more cheaply than they can if they went to a bank and then pay that money back with the revenue they generate from the rinks, which is how we got the first rinks built. This is how the county can participate. Uh, we can also uh, use other bonds uh, that don't have to don't require us going to the voters. Uh, basically, it means we we kind of borrow money with the hockey folks, with the ice folks, and then that money is paid back not by taxpayers but by revenue you all that you all generate, and we're enthusiastic partners in that. Well, I mean, I think the bill was doomed from the very beginning. I mean, you know, people got hit up for thirty-four million and thirty-two million, and uh, it'd be nice. To, I mean, I think you're going to get a lot more people who don't want to support all the other little projects uh, that are going on in that that bill but i do believe that there's a huge interest in developing hockey and hockey getting it, it it's growing it's bursting at the seams but nobody likes playing at two o'clock in the morning um and it's one of those things that y'all's help is paramount to get this done well, so for Tim, I, I can say is I couldn't agree with you more, and we don't have the money just to pay for it, but what we can do is use those financial mechanisms that we have at our disposal to make sure that that work gets done. Tim, thanks for the call. You're, you have been heard. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Let's get Walt up next. Walt, good morning. You're on Talkback with our county commissioners. Go ahead. Okay, a simple question, but I'm going to ask it in two ways. First is with this uh, expanded or restored uh, passenger rail service, how much is it going to cost me as a taxpayer? That's the first question. The second way to ask that is how much subsidy is that going to require? Thanks, Walt. Those are my questions. Thank you, Walt. Tim. Thank isn't you. This, isn't this Tim? That was Walt. No, oh, sorry. That was Walt. That was Walt. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Walt. Uh, I, I love those questions. So uh, a couple ways to respond. First, as I mentioned earlier, we are in the midst of this national study looking at restoring discontinued Amtrak routes. Coming out of that study will be the, uh, the specific answers that you're looking for in terms of what does it cost by way of capital investment in infrastructure operational costs to get this thing going. So premature to know what that is at this point, 
But we are in that study. We're answering that question. As far as what it will uh, uh, ultimately cost taxpayers in this state and this nation, the best example we have is the Empire Builder. Let's look to the north in Montana, to the High Line. That is a federal undertaking. So uh, if there is a shortfall between the operational costs and the uh, amount of revenue that comes in by way of the fare box or ticket fees, that is covered by Amtrak's budget that ultimately is uh, the federal government's uh, investment in that. Finally, I would say, uh, will it, uh, the, the underlying question is, will it pay for itself? And it will pay for itself like every other mode of transportation around the globe pays for itself that moves people. It does not without public investments. Here in Missoula County, anywhere in the state of Montana, if you were to look around, we don't have any toll roads. Uh, the infrastructure is getting uh, maintained and constructed somehow, and that is through public investments, and we just need to come to peace with that. And with that, I hate to say this, we're out of time. Uh, I, I, any, any final words from, from all three of you? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just, just listening to folks talk about the road needs, which are so real, and I, I totally hear that, and this is something that, that we work on every day and struggle with every day, and just want to point out the the really tough situation here. Everyone wants better services and no one wants to pay more in taxes. And that's true. Both are true. And I just want to point out the, 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 the conundrum, the, the riddle there that has to be solved. And, and Shane pointed this out and he, when he, he, he kind of did it in code a little bit when he said, oh, we got to go to TA funds. Transportation alternative funds, federal money run through the state. We absolutely do not have enough money locally to meet the needs that we have. Right. And to ask more of our taxpayers is to ask too much. And yet to not deliver more services is not to do enough. Just everyone kind of hold on to those two truths if they can. Juanita, any final words? Uh, just real quick, Al, uh, with uh, Mormon Creek Road, we got a note here saying that um, the, there's a plan for uh, surfacing and pavement markings this spring or summer at that intersection. So, oh, good news. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Well, gentlemen and lady, thank you. Go ahead, Dave. In this age of rancorous and divisive uh, political dialogue, when it comes to passenger rail, I think we've stumbled on something. 20 counties, 20 diverse counties across the state have come together, rallied around this issue from Sanders to Weibo County. What this tells me is not only related to transportation, that we have broad bipartisan support for passenger rail restoration in Montana, but it gives me hope that in this country, we can still perhaps agree on a few things. Gentlemen and lady, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Always a pleasure Thanks, having Nick. you, and thank you for taking all these calls. Thank, thank you. you to all of our listeners. We're going to come right back. Thanks and repeat. to Shane for jumping on. You bet. We're going to repeat the first half hour of this because we have another guest coming up. Whoops, oh, oh, another hour. Sorry, all, all the way till nine thirty. So we'll repeat this whole program. We'll be back. Stay with us. Thanks. I feel like we been a whole morning of uh, talk back. We started off with an hour of uh, county talk, which we just repeated. And uh, to take us all the way up until 10 o'clock this morning, we're privileged to have with us once again in the studio, Tom France, a state legislator here in Missoula, House District 94. Tom, welcome. It's good to have you. Uh, it's good to be here, Peter. We're, we're on transmittal break this week, so a few days off is welcome, and it's a good chance to check in with both voters and the people of Missoula. So let's, let's talk about what, what has been happening. I know you're a Democrat. <coughs> yes. And and uh, it, it is <laughs> with with the super majority of Republicans in the legislature, it's got to be a, a difficult tango over there. So what, what's going on? Well, uh, the Democrats have 32 of 100 seats, and th that makes it uh, very tough to pass legislation. But 
the Republican Party has got, got plenty of diversity in it, and there are different views on any number of different issues. And so uh, the Democrats have aligned with Republicans on some very important bills. And uh, so those are certainly highlights of the first half of the session. What, what are some of those bills, if you can be more specific? <clears throat> well, I think maybe the, the biggest two were uh, bills that would have made our judicial system partisan, would have either allowed or required candidates for district and the district judge in the Supreme Court to run as Republicans and Democrats. And of course, Montana's judicial system has been nonpartisan for 130 years. Uh, the courts have served us well, and the Republican initiative to p make the courts another partisan body uh, I think is uh, very ill-conceived, and I'm uh, was delighted that we were able to find a working coalition with about 20 Republicans and defeat the two bills that would have made our our judges run as Republicans and Democrats. I do know there there was some frustration, um, especially when. The last session in 2021, several bills mm -hmm. uh, were immediately placed under judicial review and weren't allowed to pass because, and, and they, many of them, are, some of them are still in that situation sure. now. And so I think a lot of Republicans were feeling frustrated about that. Well, let's let these people put their, their money on the table and see which, which side they stand on. I think that's where those bills came from. Right. I, I think the Republicans, uh, the, especially the the most far right wing of the Republicans uh, feel that the Montana Supreme Court has been wrong on a couple of key issues, primarily abortion and, and the right of women to choose, make choices about their own reproduction. Uh, in some ways, the assault on the courts is all about uh, putting Republican, conservative Republican judges in who will overturn a long established precedent in Montana that provides uh, reproductive free, freedom to women. And so that, that's really, I think, the mainspring of why these bills are coming to us. And again, I think the Republicans that have voted against the bills, along with a, a united Democratic caucus, recognize that the courts are about a lot more than that and that our judiciary is strong and impartial and builds its, its uh, decisions on long-established precedent. And one of the fundamental uh, uh, obligations of the court system is to provide certainty and predictability, and that's why precedent is so important. We had uh, former Governor Mark Roscoe on the show uh, uh -huh. on Talkback just sure. last week. And uh, in an interview I did with him uh, after he was censured by the state Republican Party, which I thought, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you're no longer in the club. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, one, of, one of the things he said is with... With, it, with the supermajority the Republicans have, there mm -hmm. is a danger to ride roughshod over the rest of the, of the legislature. And he said, you know, that will happen on the other side eventually, right? Uh, it, what, he says, it's, it's a round world. What goes around comes around. And, and you have to be ready to accept that if you're willing to put out the punishment to take it at a later time. Well, I, I think we, yes, I think most Americans recognize that there's an ebb, of, ebb and flow with our uh, political system, that uh, the answers that one party uh, m may deem as right for a period of time appear wrong as they're tried out and people recognize the problems. And so we've certainly seen 
uh, Democrats and Republicans switch places, and and that's part of what keeps our system of government dynamic and responsive to what the voters want. And uh, yes, the Republicans in Montana have a big advantage now, but uh, Democrats have had big advantages at times, and I certainly think we'll we'll see uh, the voters start to reject some of the uh, especially hardest and harshest parts of the Republican agenda. And there are things like choice that are important. There are things like tax cuts for the wealthy. And there, certainly in uh, Montana, there is this love of our outdoor heritage. And uh, I think Democrats do a much better job of, of answering what voters want in all of those areas. So you, you brought some literature with you. So what, what kind of things do you want to talk about here? I, I realize there are some, there, there are some <laughs> things on your mind you'd like to visit about. So. Well, I, Peter, I just say that I brought some notes because uh, one of the real challenges of being a state representative or a state senator is just the volume of issues and bills that you deal with. We I have I have heard that there are upwards of usually at every session upwards of two thousand bills proposed, and uh, that can be overwhelming for a, a body of what. You know, 150 people. It it is challenging. And this year uh, at Transmittal last week, we were into the 700s in terms of the House bills that we had considered. There were a few less on the Senate side, but that's a lot of legislation. So the notes I brought were just to remind me of specific bills because I will confess it it gets a little mushy after you've sat on the floor for 12 hours voting on bills and trying to remember which one's which. Ready to take some calls? Sure. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're up against a commercial break. So we have Jeff and Skip and Emma to all want to visit with you. Sure. Uh, Our guest in the studio, Tom France, State Legislature, House District 94. He's a Democrat. And we would love to visit with you. That's why he's here at 721-1290. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. We are back on Talkback. Tom France joining us here in the studio. Uh, Democrat State Legislature, uh, House District 94. And we have Jeff, who is up first. Jeff, good morning. And you're on with uh, Tom France. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, Before I get to my question, um, I have to say that uh, Mark Roscoe's uh, interview last week did nothing to dissuade me from the disappointment that I feel at him. he uh, puts character first, and I would say that uh, if Donald Trump did nothing else, he appointed two Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe v. Wade. And as a practicing Catholic, I find that highly commendable. And I thought, as a Catholic, Mark Roscoe would as well. So that's highly disappointing. He seems to have every emphasis on Donald Trump's character and absolutely nothing on Joe Biden, and and that's highly disappointing. Uh, But to get to the comment you made, uh, Tom, about the the Montana Supreme Court being uh, nonpartisan, I would say that that's completely misleading, that in fact, the Montana Supreme Court has a dubious distinction of being 
the most overturned court, state Supreme Court in the United States, which means that they are highly partisan to the left. And just because they don't state their partisanship in election doesn't mean that they are not partisan. So would you uh, support a uh, districting of the Supreme Court elections rather than statewide in that you would have five districts in the state where each district could uh, elect their own representative or their own justice and uh, and uh, allow them to do it that way. All right. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, actually, Jeff, we had that bill in 2021. Uh, I think it was seven districts, might have been five. And uh, I voted against that. I think Montanans are, uh, have, are entitled to be able to vote for the whole uh, suite of Supreme Court justices. They're, the job of the Supreme Court is to present a forum for the whole, entire state, not a district. Uh, and as I, I know I said in debate then, I think what we want in, in the candidates that run for justice is the best candidates, wherever they come from. And uh, where Montana citizens are entitled in each judicial race to be able to have a choice about which candidates they want to vote for. As, as a radio personality and someone who interviews folks like you all the time, it is extremely difficult to have anybody uh, on our show who is running for any sort of judicial position. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we had Mar Scott on once sure. who was running for the state Supreme Court. Good friend of mine went to high school with him, right? Mm-hmm. Every question we asked, well, I can't comment on that because it's under adjudication. Well, I can't comment on that because it's under adjudication. It's got to be difficult for them to be able to stake out a claim of where they stand. Well, yeah, and I think that's part of the nature of the, you know, it's why we have three branches to right. recognize that there are different strengths that each branch brings to our government and the separation of powers is essential, I think, to our democracy because uh, a concentration of power, I think, is one of the greatest risks we face in our democracy. And I thought the genius of the founders was separation of powers. Um, that said... Uh, every case that comes before a district court, a JP and municipal court, or the Montana Supreme Court is about facts and law. And every case has a different set of facts. And the applicable law may be fairly clear, but you really need to know the facts. And so I think uh, judges uh, want to reflect that the, no, one, no two cases are the same. They are going to take an analysis. And they're really not about setting broad policy except through building precedent. Uh, Similar situations uh, create a line of authority that you can apply to the facts and and thereby bring some predictability to it. So uh, do we want judges saying, oh, I'm a Republican judge and I'm going to decide every case this way? Do we want Democrat judges doing that? No, I don't. I think that misunderstands. Uh, the nature of how judges do their judging and how cases come to the courts. Okay, let's get back to the phones. This is Skip. Skip, good morning. You're on with Tom France. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Peter. And good morning, Tom France. Uh, I, I live down in the Bitterroot Valley. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, <clears throat> sorry, there we go. Uh, and uh, Peter, I wanted to tell you that uh, I think Marsh Scott's an amazing lawyer and, 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 uh, <laughs> I remember when he was running for the Supreme Court, and and one thing about Mark Roscoe is that I can tell you, he he did a really good job picking the guy that was going to MC his inaugural ball. <laughs> and I think that was you. Well, thank you. 
<laughs> and so, in addition, I wanted to ask Tom about any possible upcoming bills that are related to, and by the way, I know, sir, that, that you uh, actually were, uh, you retired as the director of the National Wildlife Federation. And the committees that you sit on have a lot to do with bills having to do with natural resources and environment. Is there anything coming up, even if it has to go through appropriations because money's attached, is there anything coming up that we can look forward to that, that might be a, a cross-the-aisle bill, no red or blue attached to it, that might be good for especially western Montana since we have so much national forest and forest fire mitigation problems to deal with and, and balancing our ecosystems? Is there anything coming up that we can look forward to, sir? And I'll leave it at that, and you can take off. Thank Thanks, you. Skip. Appreciate it. Skip, I, uh, I, I, I just will say I have a friend of Mark Roscoe's, and a, as a Democrat, I thought he was a, a, a good, good governor. Not that I always agreed with him, but uh, I think one of the big battles of this legislative session is uh, two years ago, Montana voters uh, approved legalizing marijuana, and along with that, they established uh, priorities for how marijuana tax revenue should be used. And a significant portion of our marijuana tax, the voters said, should go to conservation. They should go to long-term investments in our natural resources. And Governor Gianforte has zeroed out that uh, provision, wants to uh, really? provide no funding to conservation through the marijuana tax uh, it, initiative. Where does he want that money to go? Uh, it's spread out across the state budget. Okay. Um, uh, and uh, Governor Gianforte has been... Uh, forthcoming and saying he thinks that uh, conservation funding is uh, there are other uh, pots that it can come from and that uh, his priorities lie elsewhere. Uh, there certainly are other avenues for conservation funding, but uh, we're always in short supply. I think as we watch Montana grow and uh, our cities like Missoula and Bozeman really grow. I think the long-term uh, investments for Montana need to be centered on our wildlife and wild land and uh, working forest legacy. And that's what conservation funding is all about. I know I will be opposing the governor. I think the Democratic caucus will be opposing him. Uh, we're working with some of the Republicans now to create a working majority to say, Governor, you're wrong in that priority. Montanans voted for and want to keep a healthy level of conservation funding in our state budget. With that, we're up against a, a break. It's a 60-second time up, but we still have Emmett and Ed who want to visit with you. Our guest here in the studio, Tom France, uh, Democrat state legislator for House District 94 here in Missoula. We'll be right back after this. And we are back on Talkback. Tom France joining us here for the next eight minutes or so. It's a, get a really zipping on by. So uh, Emmett is up next. Emmett, good morning. You're on with Tom France. What's your question, sir? Uh, more of a comment um, a, what, or a question. Why do you always, especially the people like you who are interviewing Supreme Court justices, like at the federal level, always say, what about President precedent as far as Roe versus Wade, precedent, precedent, though settled law. Well, abortion, Roe v. Wade, was not settled law. The Supreme Court said that last year, and I'm glad they did. There's always objective moral truth. Morality and truth is not relative. Abortion is murder. And to say we have to stand for precedent because it's the way it's always been done, 
What if something is immoral, such as oh, less slavery? We had to end the precedent on slavery. Or what if a Republican said, by the way, precedent says we can't have gay marriage. A Democrat would say, no, we have to have revolutionary ideas. And I completely disagree because I believe gay marriage is immoral. As a Roman Catholic, and I like Jeff's questions, I just love Jeff's comments, I believe in objective truth by an almighty God because our nation was founded on biblical principles which come from God, not from man. So how would you address that, this whole issue of precedent? Because without God, we are one nation gone under, as Ronald Reagan said. All right, Emmett, let's let him answer that. All right, thanks for the call. Go ahead, Tom. Well, there are a couple of statements, Emmett, that I really would take exception to. And and, uh, our, our... democracy was founded on a separation of church and state and we can argue about where the dividing line where that separation line should be but uh the founders coming from europe where religions were suppressed and people were burned at the stake and uh, all manner of uh uh, tribulations for non-believers uh were very clear that separate keeping the state involved in the citizenry and religion in its sphere were important values for Americans. Uh, on on uh, <laughs> Roe versus Wade and the right to life, we just have a different view. I respect your position, but I think where we ask the state to intervene in people's most personal decisions, where we see huge differences in terms of how a woman comes to make a choice and what what the circumstances surrounding her pregnancy are, uh, to try and craft a law that uh, deals with every circumstance, it's, uh, I think, wrong. I think it's an area where individual freedom should triumph, and some women have different answers than others, and our society should try and respect all of those answers. Do you you think it was was right for, it would go back to the states for them to decide on, on their own state statutes. No, I, I you know, the, uh, the evolution of law uh, leading up to Roe was uh, more and more recognition that there was a sphere of privacy that every individual is entitled to, whether it's marriage, whether it's procreation, and whether it's abortion. And the Supreme Court uh, in Roe said this is a sphere of privacy where government does not have a role. I continue to think that's right. And uh, I, I, you know, in the Judiciary Committee, we've heard abortion bills and uh, women come to us and describe, you know, late term abortions where their life was in serious danger, where the uh, fetus was uh, uh, compromised, severely compromised. And the agony of that decision in trying what to do, and you think, where is the state's role in that? And uh, it's an enormously challenging decision, and I just, I really feel that uh, state coercion there is inappropriate and wrong. Let's uh, get Ed's call in before we have to say goodbye. So, Ed, good morning. You're on with Tom France. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, about the uh, uh, marijuana tax uh, income. Uh, the Montana Constitution does say that citizen initiatives can uh, occur on any subject except the appropriation of money. 
And that's what uh, I think the Republicans are falling back on, is that the initiative can't direct, uh, appropriate and direct uh, money. So uh, have you read that part of the uh, Constitution? Uh, And do you think that it should have been allowed um, on the ballot, uh, you know, in that form? Well, let let me... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just be clear about initiatives. Initiatives are, are citizen-generated state law, so unless they're a constitutional referendum, an initiative can be amended by the legislature. It can be repealed by the legislature, and there are examples where our legislature or others have said the citizens were wrong, and we will repeal this or dramatically change it, and we'll take it back to the voters, and if they don't like our decision, they can vote us out. And I, I think that's exactly uh, where we're at with the, the, the uh, conservation funding that came through the marijuana um, amendment. I, I'm not saying the Republicans can't change it. I'm saying it would be wrong to change it. And the voters clearly expressed a sentiment about how they wanted this new revenue stream of marijuana taxes to be spent. And uh, I, I Again, I don't think it's unconstitutional or illegal for the Republicans to say or Governor Gianforte to say, I don't want to spend money on conservation. That's that's what policymaking is all about. But I think it's the wrong choice, and I think it's going to be uh, a, a hotly debated issue in the second half of the legislature. And I hope Montanans will rally to say we want to keep this funding in place and that the legislature will respond positively. We've got one minute left. It's, it's yours. You're on the stump. Well, so what, what, what are you working on right now? Uh, I've uh, actually the one bill I'm still working to get introduced is to take a fresh look at our property taxes, especially in our agricultural sphere where Montana has long held up the principle that uh, our ranchers and farmers are land rich and cash poor. And so our ag taxes, our property taxes are really, really low. Um, We now have a new uh, uh, part of Montana, and that's out-of-state people who are moving here and buying land. And they are land-rich, but they're also cash-rich. And I think they're taking us for a ride in terms of our property taxes, and we need to address that. We're out of time. Tom, thank you. Thanks Thanks for coming down. Peter, it's always a pleasure. You bet. Okay, Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program there, sir? Yeah, we have an important guest at 8.30. We're going to talk with folks from uh, TDS Fiber from 8.30 to 9. And then we're going to have Bob and uh, Peter Stark, World Affairs Council, from 9 to 10. All right. You guys get out there and make it a great day. Enjoy the sunshine. We'll see you tomorrow morning bright and early at 6 o'clock for Montana Morning.